Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? Are we doing good? It's Veterans Day weekend. Can we pause for just a moment? If you're active duty or you're a veteran of any of the armed forces, would you do us the honor? Would, would you stand, please, and representing all the men and women who serve us so faithfully? Can we just appreciate these guys so much? Thank you for who you are and what you've done, what you're doing. We appreciate you more than we can say. Come on, give it up. Give it up. We love you guys. We thank you so much for your spouses, your families, and all the sacrifices that you make for our freedoms. We're just blessed, and we're blessed to have you in our midst today. So I, I pray tomorrow Veterans Day is a, is a day of honor, a day of celebration, a day that you enjoy uh, together. Let's get into message time this morning. Uh, i got a little story that I ran across this week, kind of sets us up, so I thought I'd read it to you. Uh, so follow along if you can. Once upon a time, there were some animals who decided to start a school for animals. They decided the courses would include running, climbing, swimming, and flying. Then they decided that all of the animals should develop all of the skills. That's where the problem started. The duck was better than his teacher at swimming, but he only made passing grades in flying and was very poor at running. So they made him drop swimming and stay after school to practice running. This caused his web feet uh, to be badly worn and his grade dropped to average in swimming, but everyone felt less threatened and more comfortable with that, except the duck, of course. The rabbit started at the top of his class in running, but because, so much, uh, because of so much makeup work in swimming, he caught pneumonia and had to drop out of school. The squirrel showed outstanding ability in climbing, but he was extremely frustrated in flying class because the teacher insisted that he start from the ground up rather than from the treetop down. He developed charley horses from overextension, so he only got a C in climbing and a D in running. The eagle was the problem student and was disciplined for being a nonconformist. For instance, in climbing classes, he beat all the others to the top of the tree, but he insisted on using his own way to get there. Finally, because he refused to participate in swimming class, he was expelled from school. And the moral of the story is quite clear. The moral of the story is ducks were made to swim, and eagles were made to soar, and squirrels were made to climb and eat all the pecans in your pecan tree before you get a chance to harvest them. <laughs> That's what they're made for. Can I get an amen? I said all of that to say, any of you ever like to go people watching? Come on, tell me the truth. I mean, I love to go to Walmart, but not on Sunday afternoon after church because you're all there. You know, it's, we just have the bridge just moves to Walmart after services. But other than that, I love to go to Walmart and just kind of stand back and watch. It is phenomenal the variety of people. I mean, every shape and size, height and, and personality and colors and clothes. And it's just phenomenal the difference that you see in people. The fact of the matter is, our God is this amazing, creative. God that nothing he ever made is a copy. Nothing. Every fingerprint is unique. Every cardiac signature is unique. Every retinal scan is unique. Every DNA is unique. Every snowflake is unique. God never made a copy of anything. I don't know if you know it or not, but I read the other day, there are 300,000 varieties of beetles in the world. Why in the world would he do that? Because he's creative. That's who our God is. Hear me. God could have created a conveyor belt and made all of us alike. We could have looked alike, talked alike, walked alike, thought the same, 
But he didn't do that. You know why he didn't do that? Because the, an original is always more valuable than a copy, and he values us enough to take the time to make us unique. Can we give it up for our creative God this morning? Just pause and say, thank you, Lord, for your creativity. Here's how King David put it in Psalm 139, verses 14 and 15. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Look at somebody and say, he's talking about you, wonderfully complex. That's what he's talking about. It's amazing to think about your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You were there while I was being formed in utter seclusion. What's he talking about, utter seclusion? He's talking about when you were still in your mother's womb. God was hand-making you. You've heard the expression, boy, when he made that, when he broke the mold, there's no mold. Every one of us is uniquely made, hand-made. But hear me, not just unique, we're unique for a purpose. We're not just unique, but we're unique for a purpose. Look at verse 16 of that same chapter, Psalm 139. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. So God not only custom made you to be unique, but he custom wrote a plan for your life that fits your uniqueness. What an amazing God. Then you give your life to Jesus Christ, and that whole process goes to a whole other level the Bible calls a masterpiece level. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now put all that together because I want you to get this. Put it all together. He made us uniquely. He made us uniquely with a, for a purpose. He custom made us and then custom wrote a plan for our lives. And then when we come to know Jesus Christ, he takes that uniqueness and takes it to what level? to a whole nother level, an HNL called a masterpiece. Look at somebody and say, you are a masterpiece. Come on, you can do it. Look at somebody and say, you are a masterpiece. Okay, look at somebody and say, I am a masterpiece. When? When we come to Jesus Christ. In other words, once you turn your life over to Jesus, he takes what God made you uniquely and turns it into this amazing things. And what's the reason for it? Ephesians 2.10. So that we can fulfill the plan that he wrote for us when we were in our mother's womb. So he empowers us to accomplish all of that. So we're going to spend a few weeks now, next four or five weeks, talking about this thing called finding life's purpose. We're going to be talking about that idea of how do you go about narrowing down what exactly is it that God put me on this planet for? And why did he make me unique? Why did, what was this plan that he designed for me? And how do I begin to figure it out? Over the next four or five weeks, I want to help you not only figure out your uniqueness, but I want to help you kind of zero in on what it is that God put you on the planet to do. And in the process of doing that, I, I want to give you a sense of, 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 of what is my place in the family of God, how do we all work together? Because you see, I'm convinced that every local expression of the body of Christ has the gifted people that it needs in order to accomplish every need that God wants them to meet. My job as your pastor is to match gifted people with valid needs. That, that's my job. Gifted people, valid needs, before you know it, we're accomplishing more than we ever thought we could. Got it? Well, God bless you. Thanks for coming then. I'll see you next week. We'll get started. You want to start now? There's, there's another detail that, that I need to introduce to this thing, and it's in Job chapter 10, verse 8. 
Oh, you call it Job, but it's Job. Look at it. What is this Job? Job chapter 8, verse 10, verse 8. Okay, here we go. Read it with me. One, two, three, go. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. What is it? An intricate unity. That's almost poetic. Think about this intricate unity. That says to me that not only are we unique, but there are many facets to our uniqueness. The more I understand my uniqueness, the more I begin to understand God's plan and purpose for my life. I've come to the conclusion that there are probably five major parts to our uniqueness, five facets to our intricate uniqueness. And I call it finding your niche profile or niche profile. Okay, let's vote. How many say niche? God bless that hand. How many say niche? You're wrong. I say niche, my wife says niche, we fight all the time. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, I believe there are five facets to it, and I call it your niche or niche profile. So let's, let me just talk about that for a minute, okay? The N in niche, it's an acrostic, the N in niche stands for natural abilities. So let me ask you, how many of you believe that everybody has some natural abilities? Can I see your hands? Everybody believe this? How many of you believe that the average person has between five and 800 natural abilities? That surprises some people. They go, oh, 500 to 800 natural abilities? Yeah, you just demonstrated a bunch of them right then. You, dem- you demonstrated the ability to hear what I was saying, to process what I was saying, to make a decision whether you agreed with what I was saying or not. You made the decision whether to raise your hand or not, or you're too, too cool to raise your hand in church. You're not going to do that. I mean, you made a whole range of decisions Based on that simple little question, you demonstrate a half dozen abilities right there. The ability to raise your hand or not raise your hand. All of those are natural abilities that we have, and all of them will begin to help us to get an idea of what it is that God put us on the planet to do. The problem for most people is that they can tell you what they can't do. They struggle to tell you what they can do. Is that true? I mean, if I'm right now, I ask you to make a list of 50 things you can't do, you wouldn't have any problem at all, Right? If I ask you to make a list of 50 things you can do, you'd probably struggle for a while. That's reality. And I think there's a couple of reasons. Uh, One of the reasons, I think, is because we often don't realize what we can do until we can't do it anymore. Am I right? I mean, I never think about what my thumbs can do until I hurt one of them. You ever done that? Hurt your thumb, and, and before you know it, every time you turn around, you're bumping it again and going, oh, man, every time you grab a doorknob, every time you pick up a fork, every time you pick your nose, I mean, whatever it is you do, it's kind of like, oh, boy, I, boy, this thumb is really important, isn't it? You don't realize what you can do until you can't do it anymore. I think the second reason has to do with education, and I don't want to get all technical on you, but every teacher in this house, and we've got a lot of wonderful teachers, public and private and homeschool teachers in our house, every one of you understand that, that, uh, that, that people don't all learn the same. Can I get an amen from the teachers? We have unique learning styles and unique learning abilities. The, the, the challenge, of course, is that we still live in an educational system where teachers may understand that, but they still have to prepare their students for standardized tests. Am I right, teachers? I mean, so, so we take PSATs and SATs and SOLs and, you know, all these standardized tests, even though you know that none of us are standard. None of us are standardized. We are all unique individuals. We have different styles of learning. And so one of the things that, one of the reasons that we do things the way we do around here is that we understand that all of you don't, you don't learn the same way. So why on a given Sunday morning do we do videos and music? 
you can read the words. Why do I get you to raise your hands? Why do I get you to learn over and lean over and say something to somebody else? Why do we do object lessons? Why do we have things like this on the stage? Why do we do the things that we do? It's because all of us don't learn the same way. You will learn in different ways, and every one of you will go away. Some of you won't remember a word I said, but you will have memorized this sign by the time you're gone. Right? That's just what we do. We, we learn in different kinds of ways, and yet our educational system often doesn't support that. So it becomes a challenge to figure out what are my natural abilities. But it's an important challenge because ultimately it helps you to, to take a step toward finding out your purpose for life. I did a little research just the other day, and, and I discovered a handful of natural abilities defined in Scripture. Let me just read a few of them to you. Artistic ability, architecture, administration, baking, boat building, candy making, carpentry, debating, designing, embalming. I'm only up to the E's, and these are natural abilities listed in Scripture. Embroidery, engineering, engraving, farming, fishing, gardening, helping, inventing, interpreting, leading, managing, masonry, music, needlepoint, painting, planning, philosophizing, playing video games. Okay, that's not in there. I just wanted to see if you were awake. Sailing, selling, soldiering, tailoring, teaching, tent making, writing, and on and on and on the list goes. So you begin to get an idea of what your natural abilities are, the abilities that you were probably born with or picked up along the way, and it helps you to begin to zero in on why God put you on the planet. In my own life, my senior year in high school, I had a teacher came to me and said, Jim, there's a public speaking competition. We'd like for you to join it. And I said, you're kidding. Public speaking? I'm not, I'm not a public speaker. No, no way I can do that. No, we see something in you, Jim. We'd really like for you to do that. And so they finally convinced me to do it, and they worked with me and coached me, and I wound up winning the schools competition, the state competition, represented North Carolina on the nationals and placed top 10 in St. Louis in the nation. And I had no idea that I had any public speaking abilities. But you think that came to play after I came to Christ in terms of what I would do with my life? I stood up and testified in my little country church on Sunday morning, having given my life to Christ on Saturday night. And I said, you know what? I, last night I decided to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. And I sat down, and as soon as the service was over, a guy came to me and said, you have the voice of a preacher. And I said, you want it? I don't want it. <laughs> you know, but you, you understand what I'm saying? It's the natural ability was already there that people recognized, which then became a masterpiece hopefully, come on, please say yes, uh, when I gave my life to Christ and I offered that natural ability to him, that gift he gave me, I gave back to him. And I'm not trying to draw attention to myself. I'm saying that you've got natural abilities too. And whatever those natural abilities are, they point you in the direction of what you ought to be doing in terms of serving the Lord and fulfilling his purposes for your Life. So let's just look at all five of them. We're not going to do all five today. Over the course of the series, we'll unpack each of them, but let's look at it, okay? Put it up on the screens. Here we go. The niche is an acrostic, so we've already talked about natural abilities. The I stands for individuality, and the reality is that all of us have different personalities and temperaments. Some people are task-oriented and others are, are people-oriented. Some are the life of the party and some are organized and detailed and some, you know, it's just all of us have different personalities. We'll talk about that one next week in the series. The C stands for 
charisma gifts. That word charisma in the Greek just means grace. And so these are the grace gifts, the gifts that God gives you by grace when you give your life to Jesus Christ. It's often a natural ability enhanced to a whole new level, but sometimes he'll give you gifts you didn't even have before you came to Christ that'll help you point to what he wants you to do. And so Romans 12, for instance, says if your gift is teaching, then you ought to be it's not a trick question. <laughs> you ought to be teaching. If your, gift is, if your gift is leadership, you ought to be leading. On and on it goes according to your gifts that leans into what it is God's purpose is for your life. H stands for heart. Those are the things that you're naturally motivated to do, naturally passionate to do. Can, can I just tell you, we'll talk about this in detail that day, but, uh, but can I tell you that doing God's will for your life is not a bummer? When you discover what God puts you on the planet to do and you give your one and only life to it, it's a joy. It's not always easy, but it's a joy. There's a, there's a fulfillment and a sense of purpose that comes out of it. And so when you find out what you're naturally motivated to do, that helps to zero in on what it is that God puts you here to do. E stands for what? Experiences. And so every experience in life, good, bad, and indifferent, gets woven into a pattern for good, according to Romans chapter 8, to help us become more like Christ, who ultimately fulfilled the Father's mission for him while he was on earth. Part of becoming like Christ is fulfilling his plan for your life. And so as you put those five elements together, and we're going to unpack them throughout the series, and I will give you some tools that will be on the website by the end of the series, some tools to help kind of figure out what are my spiritual gifts and what's my personality type and all those kinds of things to help you kind of process through this so you can identify your niche profile because ultimately your niche profile will help point you to what it is that God put you on the planet to do. And that's why you see a bunch of us walking around with the I found it stickers because that means I found it. I am in my area of service. I'm doing what I believe God called me to do. And at the end of the day, I want all of you to be able to say, whether you wear a sticker or not, I want you to say, I found it. I can tell you there's very few things that bring more joy to your life than knowing what it is you're supposed to give your one and only life to and believing that you're doing it and it honors God in the process. So in the few minutes I've got left with you, let's shift gears a little bit. We'll get into the details throughout the series, but let's talk a little bit about why this is so critical. I just want to give you three reasons, kind of motivate your thinking about why we should lean into this kind of series and, and consider uh, you know, finding our own niche profile. There are three reasons simply, and I'll let you go. Reason number one is my niche profile directs me to God's purpose for my life. It's what I've been talking about. Let's unpack that a little bit more. Because we are uniquely shaped all the way back to our mother's womb, uh, the truth is we're uniquely uh, purposed before that point. That's what, that's what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you, God said. Before you were born, I set you apart for special work. God made Jeremiah for a special purpose, and it was to be the prophet of God to Israel in one of the darkest periods in their history. It was not an easy task that Jeremiah had, and there were times when Jeremiah would lament, I don't think I could do this anymore. I'm just going to stop doing this. But then he said it was like a fire shut up in my bones, and I can't stay silent. Why? Because that's the purpose for which he was made. Even before you're born, 
God defined that purpose, and he helped and shaped you for that purpose. What I'm saying simply is the better you understand your niche profile, the better you'll understand your purpose. And the better you understand your purpose, the sooner you'll settle on what it is that you ought to be doing and prepare yourself to do it really, really well. Again, at the risk of getting personal, let me just illustrate it from my own life. I learned a long time ago, I'm not all that good at math. I'm just not. I just, I thank God for Ricky Lancaster every day of my life. Ricky's our church treasurer, and he handles this thing with such amazing excellence. Even bankers look at the financial reports of our church and go, wow, who did this? Could we hire him? Because he's really good at what he does. Jim Gillikin's our executive pastor, and he understands all that stuff, and he brings these spreadsheets to me, and I go, my head hurts, Jim. Can you give me the bottom line? Are we okay? Are we in the black? You know, you know just can you cut it? Because that's just not for me. That's not a strength for me, though it is for those guys. I learned a long time ago and accepted a long time ago that I was never going to be a professional athlete. I just, I'm not all that fast as a runner. I can't jump very high. I don't shoot very well. I went out for baseball when I was in high school, and, and I remember vividly, my dad said, okay, when they hit you a grounder, make sure the ball doesn't get past you. That's what I heard him say, and it's in my head, and so, that, so I'm, I'm doing tryouts, and the coach is hitting grounders to me on first base, and I got in front of the ball every time. I missed it every time, but he didn't get past me a single time, and I heard one of the coaches say to the other, he's not very good, but I love his heart. <laughs> They put me on the team and I rode the bench. Uh, <laughs> so that's not my deal. But I did learn a long time ago that God made me to lead. I was a bad leader before I came to Jesus. I led some people into things that I regret having led them into. But he, that's what he made me to do. He made me to teach and to preach. That's what he made me to do. I was pastoring at 19. That's crazy, but it's true. Kim and I were in our 20s when we went to the mission field. She was 24, I was 28 when we went to the mission field to plant churches. We were only 36 when we planted community church. But I knew what he put me on the planet to do, and there was a passion to do it. I moved back to Goldsboro to retire. Ha! It didn't take. I'm 66, and I'm just as passionate about doing what I do as I was when I was 19 and I started. Why? Because this is why you put me on the planet, and I know this is what he made me to do. And if at some point you look at me and say, Jim, we're not going to let you do it here anymore, then I'm just going to go find somewhere else to do it because this is what I was put on the planet to do. Is this making sense? I'm trying to draw attention to myself. I'm saying, guys, there's something that happens in your life when you discover this is why he put me here. You can look back on it and say, wow, look what God did with my one and only life simply because I offered it to him. And look forward to say, man, I can't wait to see what he's going to do with what's left of this. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say regardless of your age, 18 or 80, it is never too early or never too late to define your niche profile and let it direct you to God's purpose for your life. The second reason that I want you to lean into this one and really get after this one is my niche profile reveals God's glory to a hopeless world. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. Bring to me, God said, all the people who are mine, whom I made for what purpose? 
for my glory who I formed and made. In other words, God made us specifically as the crowning achievement of his creation to show the world his glory. That's our purpose for being here. And I know glory isn't one of those words we use a lot, but you know what it means. We're just talking about showing God's magnificence. You and I are called to show a hopeless world that there is a magnificent God who loves them. Anybody agree with me that God gets blamed for a lot of junk in the world? Isn't it true? I'm just, even insurance companies. You ever read an insurance policy? Insurance companies, sorry if you're an insurance salesman, you tell me why this happens sometimes, but, but if there's something that they don't want to have to pay for, they put a clause in the policy, and, and, and it's usually natural disasters like hurricanes and tornadoes and floods, right? And what do they call those things? Acts of God. <laughs> I don't have to pay for that because that's an act of God. You know what an act of God is? An act of God is somebody who just gave their life to Jesus Christ and got a whole new fresh lease on life. An act of God is Jared and Amanda Grantham had their baby this week and he's healthy and whole. That's an act of God. An act of God is the person sitting in this room right now who just celebrated 30 days of sobriety or 60 days or 90 days or a, or a year of sobriety. That's an act of God. An act of God is transformation and fresh starts in life. That's an act of God. And we who get those acts of God get to show them to the world in order to bring glory to the world because our God is a magnificent God and the world desperately needs to see him shine. You, you do understand that everything God made can be either used for good or bad. You, you know that, right? I mean, God created the idea of, of exchanging wealth, of, of, of money and transition. If, if that's used properly, can that bring good? Sure. It can meet needs in your life. It can meet needs of people around you. It can be used for, to have fun. I mean, there's a lot of good things that come from the proper management of money. How about sex? Yeah, in marriage, it can enhance uh, intimacy. It can produce offspring. It's a wonderful thing. It was God's idea. It's a wonderful thing. But take it outside of the context that God had in mind for it, and it becomes destructive. It becomes painful. It leads to divorce and all kinds of things that none of us want to have to deal with. A knife can be used for surgery or murder. Time can be used in a healthy way or in an unhealthy way. Words can speak life or they can speak death. Stop me when I get to the end of the list. I mean, go on. Your niche profile can be used to bring glory to God or dishonor to God, depending on how you use it. You get to decide. And you get to decide on a personal level as well as on a corporate level level. As an individual follower of Jesus Christ, you get to decide whether to make this world a better place simply because of the niche profile that makes up who you are. You get to decide that. 
Here's what we're called to do, Philippians 2, 5 and 15 to 16. Here we go. I like the way the message paraphrases this one, okay? Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. How's that for a word picture? Provide people with a glimpse of good living and, and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night so that I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns at the end of the day. That's all I want. I want God to look at my life and say, that's my boy. I want God to look at your life and say, that's my girl. That's my girl. That's my boy. Them's my peeps. We want to make him proud. And in the process, we want to bring light and life into the world by introducing the glory of God to the world. But not just as individuals, corporately as a church family. We get to do that too, together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Our bodies have many parts and God has given each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. What's he saying? Every part of the body, whatever part you are, is a critical part of the body. And that means you and it, it means me. If I chose not to use my niche profile in the body of Christ, would the body of Christ suffer? Please say yes. <laughs> Well, guess what? If you choose not to use your niche profile in the body of Christ, the body of Christ suffers. Because there are no important parts and unimportant parts. Wow, well, yeah, but Jim, you're, you're, you're the guy on stage. You're, you're the teacher. You're, you know, you're the mouth part. You know, I'm just a big toe. Do you understand how important a big toe is? You ever tried to walk without a big toe? You ever heard of somebody try that? I had a friend who, who actually blew his big toe off in a hunting accident. He climbed a barbed wire fence, and the gun went off and blew his big toe off. First time, I kid you not, the first time he tried to step without his big toe, anybody want to guess what happened? Face first into the floor. If you don't believe it, when you start to leave the sanctuary this morning, take a step and pay attention to your big toe because when you get to this point in the thing, every bit of your weight pivots on your big toe and it keeps you from falling forward while you move to your next foot. It's huge. It may be covered with socks and shoes. I may not want to see your big toe, but I sure am glad you got one. And it's serving its purpose. Is this making sense? So we'll unpack that in a lot more detail during the course of the series. Bottom line is we get to decide whether we're going to use this profile, this uniqueness that God made us in, in a way that directs us to God's plan for our lives and in a way that brings glory to God ultimately. And I'll wrap it up with this. This is perhaps the bottom line for some of us. Uh, understanding my niche profile helps me prepare for life test, the bottom line, the end of days, this is the big one, don't miss it, if you tuned out, come back, Romans says, everyone will give an account of himself to God. This life is that long, eternity is forever, and this is just preparation for that, that's all this is, this is education, preparation, uh, for, for what God has for us throughout eternity. God says how you live here determines what happens next. 
It determines your role in eternity. It determines your rewards in eternity. It, it determines all that stuff in eternity. So it becomes critically important that we discover why God put us here and start to live that out. Again, not just because we get fulfillment in following God's plan, not only because we get to show the world his glory, but because it prepares us for that day. In fact, Jesus was so intent on this, he actually gave us a whole parable to teach us this principle. Some of you might be familiar with it. If not, then go to Matthew 25 this afternoon and read it. Let me just give you a, a Cliff Notes version of it. Matthew 25 tells the story of a rich man who's going on a trip, and he gets three of his uh, servants together, and he says, okay, guys, I'm going to go on a trip. I'm going to entrust my assets to you. I say, I believe you can handle five of them. And I believe you can handle two of them, and I believe you can handle one of them. So he apportioned them out according to their ability. He made sure that it wasn't more than they could do if they would do. And so this one got five, and this one got two, and this one got one, and he went away. He said, now, while I'm gone, I want you to invest these assets. When I get back, I'll see what you did with them. I want a return on my investment. That's the way business works. So he went away. He came back later. Some of you know the story. The guy that had five invested those five, and what happened? Anybody know? That five became ten. The guy that had two invested those two, and what happened? The two became four. Now, what happened to them? It's a pretty good story for them. Verse 21 of Matthew 25, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I think that was probably good to hear, right? The story wasn't so good for the third servant because he didn't invest the one talent that was given to him. And so when his day of reckoning came, when his great audit came, here's what he said, verses 24 and 5. Then the man who received one bag of gold came, Master, he said, I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. In other words, he didn't lose it. He just didn't invest it and multiply it. What do you think the boss said to him? Verse 26, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Sounds tick to me. about <laughs> you? You should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I'd have received it back with interest. Come on, if you weren't going to be aggressive and take a risk, you could have at least put it in a savings account and got some interest off of it. Come on, you could have done something with it, even if you weren't going to go out there and take a risk. Come on, and he's not happy at all. Hear me, i got to move on, but I need you to hear me say this. Every man's going to give an account of himself to God one day, and God being who he is, this gracious, loving God, wants us to pass the audit. So he tells us the test questions in advance. How good is that? Would you be interested to know what the test questions are? You see, you could prepare. It'd be worth knowing. There's only two. Question number one, lean in. Question number one, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? You see, when you get there and God says, why should... Uh, I, a perfect being who's created this perfect world, let you, an imperfect being, in and mess it up. The answer is not, well, you know, I did some good stuff. I did some bad stuff. But I think it is more good than bad. So, so you know, it kind of outweighs. Maybe you should let me in on that account. That's not the answer. The answer is I trusted Jesus Christ. 
I trusted what Jesus did for me on Calvary. I trusted the fact that he gave his one and only life for me and that his shed blood on Calvary covers my sin. And if you look in the book, you'll see my name written there. He wrote it there. He told me that he would, and I trusted him. I believed him. And God the Father is going to say, right answer. We're ready for the second question. What's the second question? What would you do with your niche profile? Okay, We've, you get entry based on the first question. You get roles and rewards based on the second one. What you do with your gifts? What did you do with your natural abilities? What did you do with what did you do with that unique personality type that I gave you? What did you do with those experiences that I allowed in your life as you went through life? What did you do with your niche profile? Because that ultimately determines your rewards, and your roles throughout eternity. Knowing your niche profile then will point you to God's purpose for your life. It will give you the opportunity to show God's glory to a hopeless world and ultimately prepare you to pass life's final test, the one that we'll all face. So let's review and we'll close. Niche profile, we're uniquely made, intricately unique, what are the five elements in the niche profile? Let's say them together. N stands for natural abilities. I stands for individuality. That's your personality type, your temperament. We're all different. We're all unique. C stands for charisma gifts, those grace gifts that God's given you by grace. H stands for heart, those things that you're naturally motivated to do. And E stands for experience, all of your life experiences woven together in a way that helps you to fulfill God's plan for your life. Over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack that. And my highest goal for your life as your pastor is to prepare you for that great audit, to prepare you for that day. And I want, but I don't want you to just get ready at the last second. I want you to live this abundant life. And it's based on found it. This is why he put me here. Not just when he put me here, but this is why he put me here. And you get to live out this one and only life knowing that you're honoring his plan for your life. Is that worth investing in? Let's spend a few weeks. Make every effort to come. If you can't make it, come online. Get the videos afterwards. Let's get into this. We're going to post some assessment tools on the website by the end of the series. Let's get into this thing. Let's see if we can figure out God's plan for our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being this intentional kind of God who not only made us unique and made us on purpose and gave us a sense of purpose, but you've given us the tools and the ability to figure out what that purpose is. So I pray simply that each one of us would make us a quiet commitment here and now. Lord, I want to know your purpose for my life. And I want to accomplish it. Yeah, I, I want to know because that's where fulfillment lives. I want to know because I get a chance to show your magnificence to the world. I want to know because I want to be prepared for that great and final test. I want to know simply because it honors you, the one who made me. So, teacher, Holy Spirit, show us. We're listening. Keep your heads bowed for just a minute. I've I got to ask a question before we go. I mentioned early in the message that, that we're born with 
a uniqueness. He creates us even in our mother's womb with a uniqueness. But something happens when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. He takes, the, he takes that uniqueness all the way to a masterpiece level. And he's able to do things both for us and in us and through us that he simply couldn't do before we became one of his children through Jesus Christ. So if you're not absolutely sure, sitting here right now or watching online, if you're not absolutely sure that you've established a relationship with Jesus, can I beg you not to leave this moment without doing it? Just right now in the quietness of the moment, pray a simple prayer. Pray it in your own words. Aloud, silently, I don't care, but talk to God for just a minute and say, God, thank you for making me. Thank you for making me unique. Thank you for loving me even when I'm getting it wrong, even when I'm trying to figure it out by myself. Would you forgive me for all of that? Give me a fresh start today. I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. I'm going to make Jesus the center of my life, and I'm going to commit myself to living a life that brings honor to him. I believe in doing that, that I'll find the abundant life he promised. So thank you for a fresh start today. I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior and my Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, you know what's going on in all of our hearts. Draw us to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? The altars are open. Our prayer team is going to be here in just a moment. They would love to pray with you today, take advantage of the opportunity. At the very least, would you take your Connect card right now and check a box or write a note. There's a place on there where you can communicate what God's saying to you. We want to pray for you this week. Take a minute, fill out that card if you haven't already. The ushers will be at the door. Drop those in the baskets on your way out this morning. And again, the altars are open. We'd love to pray with you this morning before you leave. Father, thank you for the privilege of being in your house. I pray that as we uh, work together, as we put our heads and hearts together around your word over the next four or five weeks, that we will get a clearer sense of what you put us on this planet to do and that we'll accomplish the things that you prepared for us even before we were conceived. Thank you for that honor. Thank you for loving us that much. Thank you for what you're going to do in us and through us in the future. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The altars are open. Take advantage of it, guys. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.